Good evening. Good evening to each and every one of you. I want to again echo the, the welcome that Bryce had for, for each of us here this uh, Sunday, April evening. Uh, certainly uh, have been enjoying the weather today. Certainly hope that you are able to enjoy the weather today. It's certainly an encouragement to see each and every one of you here. Uh, I know there have been uh, a couple people caught me before uh, worship, worship services tonight, and so I really appreciate them doing so. And certainly, uh, uh, hopefully our time together uh, this evening can be uh, beneficial uh, and encouragement to you in some way. We're going to begin tonight's services in the exact same place that we started worship services this morning. Psalm chapter 28 is where I would encourage you to to turn your Bible over to this evening. Psalm chapter 28 is our daily Bible reading. For today, it is the, the verses that we read to kick off uh, worship service this morning. It is the verses that Jason has a few uh, helpful notes on, uh, on the front of the bulletin, if you were unable to read those. But there's two verses in particular, really one in particular, that we're going to focus in on tonight, and that's sort of going to be the, the foundation for the, this idea that, that we are speaking of about being rooted this evening. So read with me, if you would, in Psalm chapter 28, verses 6 and 7. Psalm 28, verses 6 and 7. It says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to Him. I went ahead and did the, the benefit for each of you all. I've highlighted and underlined the, the verses of uh, the focal points of this verse that we're going to be, be examining in on, coming back to a few times uh, this evening. But it is these ideas and those red words that I have highlighted on the screen that in Him, my heart trusts, I think is where we can all learn from, look at, gain something from this idea, this concept of being rooted. And so in order to, to do that, we're going to, again, have this foundation of, of Psalm 28, but we're going to go to a few different trees in the Bible. I don't know if there's a, a better way to uh, put this concept into to practice, to, to look at it in practical matters than by looking at trees and the, the roots that those trees tell us and the, the stories of the people around those trees have for us. So that's where we're going to be this evening. We're going to take a look at oaks, figs. It is, if you've looked at a calendar, Palm Sunday, so we will end uh, in John chapter 12. But first, I think it's a good time for us to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to be beginning our story. This, of course, is probably a familiar uh, passage to you, uh, to your children, if you are familiar at all with, with the Old Testament, with the story of the Old Testament. This is the introduction of one of those individuals, one of those key individuals in Hebrews 11, that hall of faith, that Abraham. This is our introduction to Abraham. And read with me, if you would, in verses 1, uh, verse 1, rather, of Genesis chapter 12. This is our introduction, again, to to this certain important individual that we're going to be spending a little bit of time with this evening and on this concept, this idea of what it means to be rooted. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you a name so great so that you will be a blessing. Jump ahead to, to verse 4 now. One of those familiar verses we connect it with. The Lord said, go, and verse 4 says, So Abram went, 
And as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham, or Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So the Lord said, go, so Abram went. That is something, again, that we have heard a time or two before. Read down there in verse 6 now. The Lord said, go, so Abram went. Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. And Abram passed through to the land at the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. At this time, the Canaanites were in the land. And so is this first idea, this first blessing that Abraham is being, is being told. He arrives at this oak tree. Further on, read with me. Again, Lot went with him. And one of the things that I think is interesting to note in the story of Abraham is that it would be one thing for if he had very little possessions, if he had very little anything to go with him, that when, the God, when God told him to go, that he would went, that he would have it would be much easier, I guess, in some ways to understand if he had very little to go on to trust that, to put your full hope, to put your full faith in, in a God that is saying go. But that's not the picture that we have been given of, of Abram. Chapter 13, verse 2, read with me. Chapter 13, verse 2 says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Jump to verse 5 now. Remember, Lot is going with him. In verse 5 there says, And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Think about for that for a moment. There are so many things, so many abundant possessions, that a word abundance is one of those, those words that we're going to be focusing in on. And reminding ourselves of, of a few times. They have so great possessions that the land that they were both trying to live on could not support both of them. Something certainly interesting to look. We're going to continue on there in chapter 13 now. Verse, jump to verse 14 of chapter 13. This is what, this is what I have up on the screen for you. So the, because this, because they're, again, had to, Lot had to separate because they could not have, uh, the land could not support both of them. Verse 14 says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted." Arise and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So not only upon leaving it originally did Abram come to a singular oak, he now, that promise has been Told more has been multiplied in, in some ways. So not just did that one singular oak grow from Shechem, he is now we are told that he is at the Oaks of Mamre. And it is here at the Oaks of Mamre where we're going to, in a few chapters, uh, look at a story. And it's a story of, of vital importance to, to this idea, to this concept that we are going to be looking at tonight. This idea of being rooted, of that Psalm 28, of putting our full heart's trust in him. So turn with me, if you would, to before we actually get to this story, one of the things I think is interesting, I told you we would be referencing Genesis, or Psalm 28, 7, and some of those words over and over repeated that we had underlined at the beginning of the, the, the sermon here this evening. Chapter 15, one of those 
things that, that God is, is telling Abraham here in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, the, Lord of, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, and your reward shall be very great. So this whole story of Abraham, I know we've skipped over a few parts, and we're going to skip over some more in, here in a little bit. But this story up to this point is one, and we're going to continue to read, is one of assurances, is one of promises, is one of abundance. Not These promises are, are so great that he has been given. These promises are so incredible that he has been given. And here he has the Word of God appearing to him and telling him confidently that I am your shield. Those same words that we read about where we started our services this very morning in Psalm chapter 28, verse 7. He is our shield. That is what the Lord is telling Abram. So continue on, and I said we were going to read this story about by the oaks of Mamre. So read with me, if you would, uh, in Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 14. Genesis 18, 1 through 14. It said, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, And as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds of milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And we'll stop there. And if you continue reading on in your free time, a couple chapters later in Genesis 21, sure enough, that son does come. That son is, again, important to this whole story of of the Old Testament, this story of the, the Bible, really. But it's not there where we're going to be focusing on. We're going to be focusing on those verses 18 and chapter 18 for a little bit. This continued idea that, that Abraham has been given this incredible promise. He has this incredible outlook. He, time and time again, have been shown this incredible love. Now, this story that we are reading about here, uh, when the Lord appears to, to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, comes about a quarter century after he originally set off on that original journey. So there is a little bit of time that has passed that he still finds himself at, at this same location. And that is sort of where I want to park ourselves for a little bit at, at these trees, at these oaks, to, to see what we can learn about this idea of, of being rooted. This idea, if you will, 
uh, of these incredible promises, having this incredible outlook, being shown this incredible love to a man who has had all this abundance of wealth. Remember we read that he and Lot had so many possessions, their, their numbers were so many that the land that they were living on could not support both of them, so they had to separate. This in many ways you could attribute in, in some ways to being, if you will, the highest of highs. His outlook has been unbelievable. The things that he has been told, the things he has been promised, this idea of that great things are coming to you is something, an optimistic outlook, a really positive thing. Perhaps if you can, can think of that in your own life, in your own ways, do we fit in? Do we recognize some of those high points in our lives? Some of those ideas, those moments that we have of incredible promise, those moments that we have this incredible outlook. Perhaps you are looking at or, or building or moving into your dream home, and this is everything you could have imagined. It's in the exact neighborhood that you wanted it to be in, and so you are so looking forward to the memories and the, the, the things that you are going to build in, in that specific dream home uh, with you and your future family. Perhaps you are getting a promotion or you're starting a new job, and this is exactly where you think you want to be. This is exactly the right spot for you to be. This is the right spot for your family. The job pays well. You're so looking forward to, to where this is going to set you up to be in, in five years. One of those moments of incredible outlook on the, the highest of highs for you. Perhaps you have begun a new friendship. You have a new relationship. You are beginning a marriage. You are so looking forward to the future that you are building with this other person, uh, this, this friendship, this relationship, whatever it might be. You are so excited about the, the possibilities that, that are sure to come, that you are looking ahead, that you have been, been told, that you are thinking of. Perhaps you have this new investment idea, somebody that you had gone to school with, has this brilliant idea, no, nothing in the market is like this, and you really believe in this idea, so you can put all your, your time, all your energy, you quit your job to, to give all your time, energy, and, and effort to this one thing, because you fully believe in this thing. You believe this idea is going to get to market, going to get to where it needs to be, and so you are all in on this idea. You have this incredible outlook from this highest of highs moment, and you are so eagerly excited about what the future holds. Does anybody relate with, with any of those moments? Can we relate with some of those highest of highs, if you will? I know that's not the, the full story of Abraham. Uh, we skipped over some of the, the important parts, some of the, the low lights, some of the sad moments. But for a minute, just, just think about what these oaks of, of Mamre in some ways represent. That this man who had so much this, all this abundance, all of these many possessions, that he is being promised and reassured more by the God that he is serving. Can we relate with, with again, these moments of incredible promise, these moments of our lives with this incredible outlook? Well, if you can't, perhaps if you turn a few pages to the back end of your Old Testament, you can come to another tree that maybe you will be more familiar with. The story of Habakkuk. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1. If Abraham's story is one of promises and assurances, Habakkuk, when we begin Habakkuk chapter 1, is a story of fear and uncertainty. Fear and uncertainty. Now, Habakkuk is a descendant of Abraham. He comes about 
600 years or so before Jesus, so about 2,600 years ago. And it is really, his, these three chapters are quite a different outlook, quite a different view than some of the, the highest of highs in some ways that, that Abraham had. Because problems are coming. There is uncertainty. There are fear among Habakkuk and, and doubt among the people that he is with of his day. Read with me uh, in chapter 1, verse 2. Chapter 1, verse 2. The first thing we hear from Habakkuk in his dialogue with the Lord. It says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Verse 3 says, Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. He is talking about the Chaldeans who are coming up and encircling the people of his time. And read a little bit further down here in the back half of verse 6 through verse 11. gives a pretty vivid description of these Chaldeans and why they have this fear, why there is this uncertainty, why they can see problems on the horizon, why Habakkuk uh, is crying out to the Lord there in the verses that we just read. But Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 6 says, The Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God." Can you imagine being in that situation, facing uh, a group of people with this, who fit this description? Can you imagine the uncertainty, the uneasiness, the doubt, the problems that are, that are on the horizon that they felt? As he tells us that I have up on the screen there in Habakkuk 1.3, that destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Those are what Habakkuk sees with his eyes. That is a bit of a far cry from where we just were a few a bit ago when God is, is speaking with Abraham and telling him to lift up your eyes and look from the place which you are. God told him to look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and everything that you see, all the land I have, I will give it to you. That is quite the juxtaposition that we have been given uh, in these two, two circumstances. Their circumstances in many ways could not be more different. Habakkuk 3.16 tells us, Habakkuk 3.16 tells us that Habakkuk says, my body trembles, my legs tremble beneath me. He is worried. There is fear that he has. There is fear, no doubt, that the people of his time have. And the back half of verse 16 is, is interesting because he says, Yet I will quietly wait. And if you stop there and you take that a little bit out of context, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That these people whose 
so powerful that are such a threat that they gather captives like sand, their horses are like leopards, they laugh at kings, they take over anything that they see, their own might is what their, their goal is. And your response is to quietly wait. I'm no military expert, but I certainly would imagine that that would not even be brought up as a, a possibility if those were the, the, the times of today for those decision makers who would be making a decision about what to do when a group that fits this description is in front of them. And so I think it's really interesting that he tells us that I will quietly wait. And it is at this point in the next verse where Habakkuk brings us to another tree. Another tree that is, again, quite different from those oaks of Abraham that that we just looked at, but a tree nonetheless that I think, again, can serve us a purpose for looking at when we're looking at this idea tonight about being rooted and what it means to be rooted in Him. So read with me, if you would, Habakkuk 3.17. says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Think about that for a moment. This is the description that we have been given, that Habakkuk has been given, about this tree. Very different from the abundant promises that, that Abraham had, that he saw, that he was, was shown. This tree did not blossom. There is no fruit on these vines. There is no produce. The fields have no food. The flocks have been cut off, and there is emptiness in the stalls. Perhaps this tree is a tree that you can relate with in your life maybe better if you weren't able to, to resonate a bit with those those highest of highs that the, the oaks of Mamre in some ways showed us. If those were the highest of highs, in many ways, perhaps these could be the lowest of lows. Because maybe that house that you had dreamed about building, about moving into, that dream house has turned into nothing but a nightmare. And there's a new repair that you have to make day by day. Uh, something There's some new problem that, that pops up seemingly every single week, and that is drained your pockets, drained your energy, and you just want to move out because the neighborhood's not as good as you thought it was, the school system isn't good, so that dream house has become a nightmare. Perhaps it's that new job that you were starting, that promotion that you took, that you thought that this is exactly where you wanted to be, this is exactly where you needed to be, it's exactly secure for you, and you thought it was going to set you so up well for the next five years, and maybe that job just let you go. And so now, not only do you, are you not set up for the next five years, but you don't have a job. Perhaps the job you wanted didn't want you. And so you got to deal with that door being shut in your face. Perhaps the friendships, the relationships, the ideal marriages that, that you had planned on, that you had given so much time, energy, attention, investment to, perhaps those were cut off. Seemingly without uh, without answer, without, without any, anything that you could do about it. You gave everything to it, and that, that dream is ruined, is gone. 
Perhaps that investment idea that you had believed so much in, you thought this was a surefire thing that, that could not miss, has left you without money. Your bank account is completely dry. Maybe it's as simple as you've gone to the doctor for a routine checkup, and the answers you got or the response you got walking out those doors was anything but routine. And you don't know the next steps or how many next steps there will be because of what you heard in, in that doctor's office. Out of whatever the, the situation is, whether it was one of those or some that, that you could, could come up with with your own mind, I think that's a very relatable idea that, that we have been, been given here, that this tree, this blossomless fig, shows us. These times of our lives where we have more questions than answers, the times of our lives where if we're sitting alone and thinking about it and talking to ourselves about it, we just keep repeating time and time again, it wasn't supposed to go like that. That's not how I pictured it. That is not the hand I wanted to be dealt. I didn't get what I was anticipating. Have you felt that? Have you been there before? Habakkuk was. And I think that's why the next two verses for our purposes tonight are of such, such importance for us. 18 and 19 of Habakkuk 3. It says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. These circumstances, again, very different from the abundant trees that, that Abraham was given, the abundance of promises. This is emptiness. That was the highest of highs. This is the lowest of lows. And Habakkuk says, yet, I will rejoice. I will take joy. And God is my strength. Sounds a lot like the verses that we read this morning. The verses that we have looked at a time or two again this evening. Psalm 28.7, where we get this idea of being rooted in Him and putting our full heart's trust in Him, who is our strength. You may say, okay, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for taking me to oaks and figs of many, many years ago, but what on earth does that have to do with me here in spring of 2022? Well, I've got three takeaways for you for us to, to look at about this idea, what we can learn from, from these two trees, from the stories around these two trees, and how we can adopt them and adapt them into to our lives so that we can be rooted in. And one of those first things is being rooted in perspective. Rooted in perspective. With Abraham, he was rooted in or times of promise is, is when he had, was, was given. That was the hand he was dealt. Now, that wasn't without problems, was not without doubt. But there were so much abundance, if you remember the, the verses that we read. So much good, so much promise, so much positive outlook. Great things are coming. His perspective, remember, there's, we, we mentioned it. 25 years had passed before he really was shown some of those those first fruits of, of that assurance, of that promise. He had to be reassured 
by God, that God is his, his shield and that he will answer. So in, even in times of, of promise, Abraham patiently waited. With Habakkuk and his time of problems, with the, the doubt, the fear, the uncertainty that is, that is on his horizon, he patiently understood what it was that, or who it was rather, that, that he was, was being rooted in. He had to, to work to get there a bit. He had to wrestle a bit to, to get there. But he understood that perspective. From the highest of highs, from the lowest of lows, both of these individuals rooted in perspective that God is who he says he is. And they are so thankful for what God says he'll do. That second point, we're going to connect them to there. So you got the third one free. Thankfulness. That that importance of, of being thankful. Abraham's service is one of those, those points of thankfulness. You might have glossed over it when we read because it was a, a bit of a lengthy read there in Genesis 18, but turn back with me if you would in Genesis 18 and notice how Abraham's service in this, again, specific context back here at the Oaks of Mamre when the, the Lord appeared to him. But look at some of these words that, that describe this service, this thankfulness. That, that Abraham shows. It says, He saw them, he ran to them from the tent door to meet them. Jump to, to verse 4. It says, Let a little water be brought to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring you a morsel of bread so that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on. Jump to verse 6. He says, he quickly goes into the tent and says, Quick! And tells Sarah to, to make the food. And then, he gave the, the young calf to a man who prepared it quickly. And then he brings this meal, this food, this nourishment for, for them. Those things, those, some of those words, that, that quickness, that eagerness, that willingness, that, that thankfulness that Abraham is showing. Again, this is 25 years after he was originally set out on his journey to be going. He is trusting. He is continuing on in, in his service. And sometimes I wonder if we don't share some of those same descriptive words. We are not so quick, so eager, so willing to serve when we don't get the, the answers that we want, the answers that, that we have. We are not always as, as thankful as, as maybe we should be. Maybe we are, and we're so happy to, to come here on, on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings but then once we walk out the door Sunday, we are not as eager to serve the Lord, to be thankful for what He is doing for us until we come back here next week. That's not the, the picture that, that Abraham showed us. That's not the idea that that story around the Oaks of, of Mamre showed us about Abraham's service, showing his eagerness, his thankfulness to, to serve the Lord in that specific context. Habakkuk's is a little more clearly stated on the, the, on the pages. You don't have to, to read two in between the lines to, to notice Habakkuk's joy in his circumstances. I know Jason had a, a sermon, this probably would have been 2017 or 2018, about joy regardless, focused in on Habakkuk and, and the book of Habakkuk. And so if you hadn't heard that, if you didn't remember it, it's available online. I would encourage you to, to go back and watch it, to to expand on, on this ideas of that maybe little referred to prophet of the Old Testament. But Habakkuk's joy 
regardless of his circumstances. Again, the lowest of lows is, is where he was, is what that blossomless fig uh, showed us. And thirdly, both of these men, Abraham, Habakkuk, the trees that, that these stories that we looked at are, are being told, show us that they're both rooted in a perfect God, rooted in a perfect God. Abraham acknowledges this in 18 uh, verse 2, when he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. He bowed to him and acknowledged that it is the Lord who he is serving. He's not serving himself. He is not serving anybody else. He knows who is in charge. He knows who is leading. He knows who to call upon. He knows who to depend upon. And most importantly, he knows who to serve. Habakkuk's acknowledgement in 3 verse 18 of Habakkuk, chapter 3 verse 18, he is acknowledging that the Lord delivers. And so both of these men in their specific circumstances and by these, these two trees that, that could not be more different show us not only how it's important to be rooted in perspective, to be rooted in thankfulness, but thirdly, to be rooted in a perfect God. And this idea of being rooted in a perfect God is where we spent, if you were in our building blocks classes, uh, our high school class that I am teaching was spent a good amount of time here this past Wednesday night about being rooted in a perfect God. And we spoke about this commitment that it is for each and every one of us imperfect people. Uh, Abraham and Habakkuk, very imperfect people. We didn't read uh, all of their story, and that was on purpose. Uh, but there you can go back and read throughout Genesis, read a little bit more of Habakkuk and his wrestling that he is doing in the early chapters of, of his book, and you can understand that these are, are not perfect people. So they are not the examples, where they're the examples we're learning from, but not the examples that we are rooting ourselves to, not the examples that we are following. And this commitment to honor and root ourselves in this perfect God is an acknowledgement that we are not rooting ourselves in what's popular in the world around us. We are not listening to, to how the world around us answers questions. We're not listening to, to what public opinion says about certain topics, to what certain ideas are okay or are or, or off, off guard that you shouldn't answer. We are been given one direction to follow, and a, one God who does not change by the day, does not change as yesterday's news. He is the perfect God that we are being committed to, that we are rooting ourselves to. So we're not being rooted in what's popular today, and we're not rooting ourselves in an imperfect people. An imperfect people that were, in many ways, could fit the description that Habakkuk tells us of the Chaldeans in verse 11 of chapter 1 there. Men whose own might is their God. That selfishness, that I want what I want when I want it. It's going to be my way, the highway, and I'm the only person that matters. That's not who we are rooting ourselves in. That's not who we are listening to. That's not where we are committing and, and living our lives for. But rather we are being rooted in, trusting in, and committing ourselves to him. As again, Psalm 28, 
Verse 7 tells us, Psalm 28, 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. I think that's a a wonderful thought for us to, to take from these two trees of the Old Testament with this idea and how we can adopt them and adapt them and, and put them into action in our lives. I told you we'd get to, to John chapter 12 and another tree, palm tree, that many in the world are focusing on today. John chapter 12. There's only a couple verses I want to look at. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. John 12, 12. said, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jump to verse 18 now. This is the important part of these tree, palm trees, these palm branches that we are reading about. This is the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard. They had heard. Simple as, simple as that. And in some ways, that's not always our answer. We have heard, but we are not willing to, to make that next step. To, we hear it, but we don't put our lives into to action. We're not committing ourselves. We're not truly and earnestly committing ourselves and, and rooting ourselves and, and living in him. We're not putting our full heart's trust in Christ for whatever reason. Perhaps our perspective has been off. We are altered for, from where we're looking. Perhaps it is, we're not as thankful as we should be, or perhaps we've rooted ourselves to an imperfect people or to imperfect times. And so I'll, if, if that is you, I would certainly encourage you to, to continue reading, continue searching for, for that relationship, to continue to to grow in your knowledge and your understanding of learning who it is that this perfect God is, of, of learning what it is that, that He has promised and, and all that it is that, that He can do for you. And if we can help you in any way, perhaps you're ready to, to begin that relationship with Him, to, to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of your sins this evening, or if you uh, need prayers in any way and can be helped in any way, we ask that you come forward as we stand and as we sing.